Hello and welcome. This is the Network Collective Community Roundtable podcast, and I am your host, Jordan Martin. Seeing as this is the week of Thanksgiving here in the United States, we figured there was no better time to give you even more reason to be thankful for this year. How can we do that, you ask? Well, we're going to be sharing some of our most memorable experiences from the trenches of IT. If past experience is any indicator, you'll be incredibly grateful to only be listening in rather than living through some of the experiences we're going to be talking about today. So hang on tonight, and we'll be right back with today's episode. So before getting started, I wanted to give a shout out to the sponsors of today's episode. Uh, first up is Blue Cat Networks. Blue Cat is a first-time sponsor, but a longtime friend of the show. And they're putting together some great content and a great community surrounding the topics of DNS, DHCP, and IPAM. Also sponsoring the episode today is a returning sponsor, Unimus. Unimus produces an easy-to-use but powerful network automation and configuration management solution. It's designed for fast and easy network-wide deployment. And we'll be sharing more details about each of our sponsors later on in today's episode. So joining me around the virtual roundtable today are two excellent guests. Up first is the one and only Amy Arnold. Uh, This may be Amy's first time on Network Collective, but we've been friends for quite some time. And uh, interesting fact, she is definitely the only guest we've had on whose dog has bit me. So (laughs) Amy, Amy, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. I'm very glad to be here. And yes, my dog did bite you and he's not the least bit sorry about it. No, I didn't think so. <laughs> no, and he actually, he did bite Denise Fishburne's ankles too. So, so the dog is talent. <laughs> yeah. So apparently if you want to, if you want to be on the, on the in-group for, uh, for network engineering, just have to hang out with Amy at some point and have the dog bite you. Cause that's, uh, that's the indicator, huh? Yeah. He's like a little magical furry, uh, sorting hat. A sorting hat. Just one that draws blood. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> So also joining us today is Chris Cummings. Uh, this is Chris's second time on the show. Uh, so I guess you are an expert now. I guess uh, totally how's, it, how's it going, Chris? Uh, it's going well. Uh, things have been pretty busy. I'm in the midst of a new job and, uh, you know, lots of busy stuff associated with that. Yeah, you're, you're working with Nick Baraglio now, right? Like, Yes, I am. Yep. Guilty research networks. Like you switch jobs and like it sounded like you got 10 times smarter like overnight. The stuff you were working on was way more impressive. It's like, oh, wow. Apparently, if you want to do real networking, you go work there. <laughs> That's where you go if you want to pretend to be smart. I pretend to be smart. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. oh, man. I think we're, so we're going to be recording a live stream tomorrow night. Well, this is probably coming out. So we will have recorded a live stream the night before this comes out. But we're recording this the night before we record live stream. If you can follow that, good for you. Um, but uh, I, I definitely know imposter syndrome is on that list, and that sounded an awful lot like it. So <laughs> uh, I think we all struggle with that a little bit. Uh, and last but certainly not least, not a guest, but my co-host, Tony E. Tony, how are things in your part of the world? Uh, things are really good, Jordan. You know, I'm just uh, still trying to settle into that, that new job role I'm in. And uh, so now I do most of my networking at home. Still working on that that home network uh, upgrade, and uh, still running cables. You know, story of my life. You know, every time I think about it, I just run more cables. You know, I just went out and bought another spool because I'm like, because when I run a cable, I don't just run one. You know, I pull two or three at the same time because you don't know. Maybe I want to put cameras, access points, something later on down the road, and it just is never ending money pit. Networking oh. is a never ending money pit. You guys Did know I that, right? That? Yeah, money's never any money pit. Yeah, I think most of our companies believe that way. Uh, did I see you had a, a bit of fraud with your cabling? That, no, that's right. Yeah, I, I was at Home Depot. Um, again, I had to get another spool of cable. 
And uh, normally I like to buy the 500 foot roll mm -hmm. um, just, just to save a little bit of money. And all they had was a thousand foot roll. So I grabbed it and you, in the porthole, I, I don't know what it's actually called. I call it the porthole where you can look inside and see the cable. I could look inside of it and it was white. And I was like, wait a second, the cable's normally blue. I was like, and I am not a layer one guy. I don't know the difference between cables. I told you I, I can barely make a cable. So I'm like, maybe this is, it's just white. And I'm like, I'm sitting there and I'm just standing over the box debating, do I buy this or not? And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to open it up. So I opened it up. I just had some, some, some intuition come over me. I opened it up and inside it was a cat six box riser cable thousand feet stuffed with inside of it was actually cat 5e and i don't know how much but it was just in there so it was like someone pulled the old switcheroo right yeah but you buy one box that's cheap one box that's expensive you take it out of the store you take the expensive one out you put the cheap one in the expensive one you return it you know and you just made profit and you got you got a better product so so someone was, was scamming home depot but in turn, it almost scammed me, you know, because the, the people, when you do returns at stores. Yeah, they're not validating. Well, they're yeah. not opening the box to make sure it's in there. They just look and they just say, eh, it looks pretty good. And they put it back on the shelf. You know, I mean, that, that's, just, that's just the way commerce is, you know, in big, in big stores like that. And uh, so, but they did have plenty in stock. So I did get another box. But, but yeah, I did document that live and was like, you know, Home Depot. <laughs> and the thing is, is like, who do I tell? You know, if I was going to tell a manager, I'd have been an hour late coming home. You know, they'd have to page the guy over the megaphone and everything. You know, it's, oh, so you just left it for the next guy to find? I just leave it out there. No, I left it open. I left, <laughs> you left it, it open. open. Yeah, so, someone's looking. <laughs> so someone's got to clean it up. So that's how you get make something happen. You know? Oh, there you go. I that see. happened with leave uh, it in the middle of the uh, aisle. <laughs> that that was happening for a while with like eight terabyte hard drives. You know, because you, you can buy. For real cheap, like eight terabyte hard drives in an external exclosure. Yeah, and shuck them, right? Yeah. Like that's a really yeah. popular thing to get like the Western right. Digital Reds. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. people were like shucking the drives, pulling out the eight terabyte drives, and then throwing in like an 80 gigabyte Max Tor from mm. you know the early days. <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't want to derail this conversation because because we're gonna be networking war story focused. But because we're coming up on the buying season and Christmas as well. Uh, the same thing happened to me. Um, I won a prize at my work and I won a GoPro, supposed to be a, a, Go, a GoPro 8, Hero 8. And uh, when it arrived and I took it out of the box, it was a Hero 4. But it was in a Hero 8 box and it was mounted in there. And so someone did the old switcheroo with Amazon. So since we're coming up on the buying season and GoPros are always on someone's buying list, Something uh, to pay attention yeah, to. just make sure you're getting the right product. Make sure you keep that return receipt. Amazon's always good <laughs> about returns, but yeah. Nice. So I'm with you, Tony. We probably should, uh, should get to the show, but that was, uh, that wasn't too much of a rabbit hole. <laughs> so, so today we're talking about war stories, right? We're talking about those, you know, I, 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 they're not all bad. Like sometimes war stories, sometimes the things that are memorable are because of something we've learned or, you know, uh, maybe something significant happened, but really they're usually bad, right? <laughs> they usually leave the scars. That's the reason why we remember them as the war stories, because the cutovers that go exactly as planned, we always seem to forget about those. The ones that don't go as planned, we never forget about those. So one of those themes that when we talk about war stories is that, you know, at least one of the common ones is the innocuous cutover, the one that's pretty straightforward, the one we think we really understand that somehow turns into a marathon event. Um, and so, Chris, I think that your first story here kind of has some of those themes going along in it. So yeah. why don't you kick us off, man? So, so give us your story. Sure. Well, you know, this one, for a little background, 
was a, a fairly standard firewall cutover. You know, we we're bringing on a new acquisition and, uh, you know, they had their old firewall, which is, you know, handled by an MSP. You know, we as the corporate overlords had no visibility into it and, you know, didn't know how it worked and it was just theirs. So, and we couldn't even get a config from the MSP, that whole thing. So we were kind of going into it blind. And it's a pretty small, you know, operation, but it's in the middle of nowhere, like four hours from the middle of nowhere, middle of nowhere. I will say I'm noticing a theme. So we have obviously our show notes for this document and most of Chris's stories have some tenant of this is the middle of nowhere. <laughs> of, of distance Chris, in time. We, we just, yeah. we just talked, we talked about the fact that you just went to a new job. Your last job was for a mining company. Mm-hmm. And so it turns out that when you do mining, Mm-hmm. They don't really do that in the middle of your metropolitan city centers. No. Right? <laughs> they kind of do that out in a way, right? So everything's kind of out in a way. Very um, much so. so. So yeah. So I don't want to. I don't want to derail it, but I'm just going to say as we as we talk to Chris, you're, I think you're going to notice some some trends there along those lines. So yeah, about four hours away. You said yeah, about four hours away. And a little background about me: I used to live in Alaska and did networking in Alaska for quite a few years. So lots of just interesting stuff from there. But this, this was actually uh, in our great American hat, Canada. And uh, was way up in the Yukon Territory. And, you know, no, no connectivity to anything from the outside world except for a satellite pipe and sat phones and stuff like that. So, you know, normally cutover is not that big a deal. But when you're cutting over the firewall, that is your way out. You know, your way out to the Internet. You know, if something goes south, you better have a good plan for backing out. Well, in this particular scenario, we did not have the opportunity to have a back out plan because it was a one-way street. So we had to back out and we had to um, <laughs> basically hand over the old firewall to this managed service provider who wanted nothing to do with us. So we didn't have any way to go back to the old config. So long story short, what we ended up doing was, you know, obviously as a, as a good little network engineer, we tested this out in the lab and did all that, built the config, shipped them out there, And it was pretty much supposed to be a, okay, let's move the cables over and we'll be good to go. As you may have, you know, guessed, that's not exactly how it went. And about 48 hours later, where I had had about four or five hours of sleep over that time period, (laughs) we finally finished. In the meantime, what got us there was three major bugs that we discovered in the firewalls that had not cropped up during testing. And pretty much all of those bugs were due to high availability. And so, you know, we in the lab we had only tested on one firewall and we didn't actually test with ha and with all the weird interactions because our lab environment was not a great mirror of production. so that sounds like a lesson learned to me <laughs> very much so <laughs> yes <laughs> things in ha don't necessarily operate the same way they do i mean especially with firewalls right because firewalls always love to play little uh little networking tricks and kind of live outside the realm of what we consider correct networking mm-hmm. um, to, to, you know, find HA between, especially if you're talking like active, passive, stateful failover, like those end up being like really hokey. Yep. Um, active, active is a bit, uh, I, I think is a bit less hokey, but at the same time, like it's a bit more convoluted to get set up and working correctly. But once it's there, there's not as much state exchange, but like it's, it's weird. So um, I, I, fires are always, firewalls always seem to be one of those points in the network where, Testing with HA makes sense. Yeah, and it's and also modern firewalls are the box that everything gets thrown into. You know, mm-hmm. they're not just a piece of network equipment. They are everything. They're a proxy. They're mm-hmm. IDS, IPS, 
email like inspection and data loss prevention and you name it, they do it all. <laughs> and so, of course, because we had paid for all those things, we had to turn them on. <laughs> Otherwise, you're just you're wasting money. You're leaving money on the table. So long story short, one of the bugs we ran into was so we had HA firewalls, but also because redundancy is great. We had, you know, two core switches that these firewalls hung off of. And um, so basically, since we're doing active passive and having to, you know, have failover between two different switches now on the land side of the firewall, you know, there's a lot of links, a lot of cross connects and stuff like that. And what we found was that the firewalls behave very differently. This wasn't even an HA thing, but from an ECMP standpoint, from, from an equal cost multipath. So we had equal cost multipath down to the core switches. And this particular firewall vendor, who I will not name, uh, had <laughs> a bug at the time where specifically web filtering traffic didn't like to be ECMP'd, even though you had your you know ECMP LAN interfaces in the same zone, it treated that traffic as coming in on different interfaces. Therefore, uh-oh, somebody's spoofing something, we're dropping it. And this was exacerbated by the fact that, you know, some buddy who wasn't me had decided that we would use GLBP on the land side. So the hashing algorithms, like the streams got crossed and you would have this very random subset of flows get dropped and squashing that was very difficult. And on top of that, you know, this is during a late night cutover in the middle of Yukon. And when I called into our friends over at the TAC, <laughs> they hung up on me because they were currently undergoing maintenance on their ticket system. And they were like, sorry, we can't open up tickets. Bye. <laughs> and then just put the phone on the register and called it good. Wow. That yeah. would have been a, wow. I've never had that happen. I, that's the one and only time I've ever had it happen. I can't imagine calling vendor support. After paying, because I mean, all of them are expensive. Some more mm -hmm. than more expensive than others, but all of them are reassuringly expensive. Mm -hmm. And the reason why we pay for them is so we have the number to call. Yep. Like that's the whole reason why we spend that money. Yep. And to have be like maintenance. What are you talking about maintenance? No, 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 no. You do maintenance somewhere else. You take my call now. <laughs> mm -hmm. And and on top of that, you know the the ECMP you know, due to an issue with like the cost, somebody had made like a mystery change that fixed ECMP. So it didn't even show up till like halfway through the cutover when somebody was like, Ooh, I didn't have ECMP on to fix it. And then all of a sudden things start breaking. So we spend forever chasing down, you know, another thing, which is just wow, great. like the cascade here. Mm -hmm. And this is the first bug. You said there were three. Yes. I mean, so, I'm, just, I'm just seeing the cascade here. I'm seeing the, yeah. okay, we did, we did the implementation. We did, we did testing, but we didn't do testing in the true final state. So mm -hmm. there were some things that we missed. Mm -hmm. And then we went to go implement it. And when we implemented it, the plan didn't get followed. So yep. ECMP wasn't working correctly. So it looked correct. Mm -hmm. Then somebody, without announcing it to the team, did essentially an unannounced change. And by the way, that somebody was the old MSP who then yeeted off to their flight out of <laughs> out of the province across the country. Because they managed the switches? Yep. Okay, so and they're they like, think, well, our job's done. They, yeah, ECMP's <laughs> working. We can walk out the door now, <laughs> which introduced problems that hadn't been present Yeah, when it first started. Right. Then you go to call your vendor, mm -hmm. and your vendor's like, sorry, we're doing maintenance. You're going to have to call back later. That, how were you, how did your head not explode? <laughs> like, I was, I was, you know, I always, I always do my best to keep my cool because, you know, I know at the end of the day that, you know, 
the person on the other end of the phone line is just an engineer like me who is, you know, got tons of stuff on their plate and is tired. But that I was not very okay with. And I was like, this is not okay. So ended up calling our account uh, exec and he was on vacation, <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> oh called God. him on a cell phone. I was like, hi, this is, you know, Chris. Uh, he's like, oh, who's this? I'm like, oh, <laughs> not what I need right now. <laughs> <laughs> and so he, you know, kept him on the line and we called back in and, and we got somebody, thankfully just in time to run into the next bug, which was, you know, this is bug like two, but maybe it's really bug one and a half, which was at the time there was also a bug on this version of the firmware that caused web filtering logs to not actually get logged. So these drops were just dropping silently <laughs> on top of all that. So it was, it was good. So, so it was dropping. Mm -hmm. You had no evidence it was dropping other mm -hmm. than the fact that when you tried to do it, it failed. Mm -hmm. When you went to go look, Yep. You had no data to work with, even though it was supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. So I missed a part in the cascading failure, mm. the cascading yep. failure where it didn't log the correct stuff. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, and just, you know, you have this like random flow thing because you have two different like ECMP algorithms sending traffic, you know, different ways. So only a subset of flows are getting dropped and it's usually HTTPS because we weren't inspecting HTTPS. So it's just like MTU, like what are we running into here? Then bug two was uh, <laughs> was an OSPF implementation, an issue with their implementation of OSPF, which would be like after an hour or so of uptime, the uh, OSPF neighbor relationship would get torn down um, on the far end. So we had like Cisco switches on the other side and, you know, we'd get a syslog that was like, oh, you know, there was just something happened. They sent something horrible and we didn't like it. So we tore it down and they were sending a bad checksum out of the firewall on the OSPF hellos, I believe. <laughs> and that was causing, it wasn't like every hour on the hour. It was like just kind of randomly. And, you know, because we had two paths, it would sometimes also fix the HTTP, you know, web filtering thing. <laughs> oh yeah. Cause when you, when OSPF falls down on one of your links, yeah. you no longer have ECMP and all of yeah. a sudden all the web stuff starts working. Ex exactly. Brilliant. And, you know, during this whole call, you know, the, the, the tech engineer that I was working with is not the tech, but the, you know, the generic tech <laughs> engineer I was working with was like, well, it's coming in on different interfaces. It's not allowed to do that. Couldn't point me to any documentation that said that we had all of these other security modules like application, you know, inspection and control and every other knob that could be turned on was turned on. And all of those worked just fine with ECMP. It was just this one module. So you know it was a specific bug. And then they were just trying to pass it off as like, yeah, well, you know, obviously it's coming in on a different port. So we're not going to let it come in on separate ports. And it was just not okay. <laughs> I wasn't there. And this was a long time ago. But I'm sitting here feeling the need to pray the serenity prayer. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, yes. You know, like, like this is this is like this is making my blood boil. I wasn't even there. Like how? Oh, my word. Um, yeah, I, I just want to say that any one of those uh, uh, problems, as you described them, can derail a migration uh, and become any one of our war story nightmare talks. Just one of these bugs that you have like the trifecta of hell. Um, so so I, I'm very curious. I'm very curious. I hope you can can wrap this story up when you're finished. But so so how did all this get resolved? So, so what was the fix? I mean, was it? I, I don't know. What, what was the fix? You know, I mean, you have a lot of problems present right now. So if this is real time, I'm sitting here thinking there's a lot of stuff broken. 
uh, I, I don't get a new firmware tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. You know, how do we get this site operational? Do you remember? Uh, if uh, I remember the- correctly, we were not running the latest firmware version. You know, we were maybe like one or two minor revs behind because we tried to keep it all in sync, you know. Which is standard operating practice. Right, right. Never run the newest unless you absolutely have to. Yeah. Yeah. Except except that's always tax recommendation, right? Of course. Well, you have to run the latest because we've already addressed these. We've already addressed these bugs. You have to run I think tech is getting better about that. That's not necessarily the way. I mean, like I have seen like, you know, you call in and they're going to make sure that you're up to the most most recent recommended. But I'm watching and I'll call it Cisco specifically here. And just to be clear. Yeah, for for Chris's sake, like this is not Cisco. This is somebody else. And so, but in Cisco's case, I know that they're starting to like star releases, right? So mm-hmm. the idea is, you know, in Cisco SD WAN, there is a preferred release, and there are many releases after it right now, and they are very judicious about upgrading to that. So unless there's a reason to move off of their preferred release, like the recommendation is not to, and then like, don't. Don't go off of that release unless there is something specific we know is fixed because this is the bug we ran into and has since been fixed on, on one of those new because those new releases are feature releases. They tend not to be bug releases like they, they tend to be, you know, we don't want you to step up to the next version. Um, they might tell you within the train that you're in, you have to go to the most recent one because those tend to be mm-hmm. tend to be bug related. But yeah, I, I, I mean, we all know that, you know, the first thing they say is, have you upgraded? You know, well, the first thing is, have you rebooted? And then it's, have you upgraded? Mm-hmm. You know, I love that from networking vendors. Have you rebooted? No, because if I was calling you and I'd rebooted, there'd be nothing to tell you, right? <laughs> so, so, no, I haven't rebooted yet. I want you to see this. Um, so, yeah. So, okay. So, you were you were a couple of revisions behind, but nothing major. Right. And and by the way, on the point of the, you know, the gold star Cisco has, a, a funny piece of news that I heard recently is that Juniper's KB for suggested uh, – you know, versions actually is now no longer called the recommended releases. It's called the suggested releases to consider and evaluate, which I just love because it's like, we aren't going to commit that this is going to be good. Right. <laughs> we're just going to, well, we're going to, it doesn't yeah. matter what the number is. There will be bugs. That's Always just the nature. Bugs. That's just the nature of software. Yep. There will be bugs. The question is how catastrophic are the bugs and how many bugs do we know about today? And how, do, and how does so the vendor anything, deal with it? Anything with a star next to it is the one that has the least amount of bugs that we know today. <laughs> yep. It's completely possible there are more bugs that just have not been discovered yet. <laughs> so, so Tony, to answer your question, the resolution ultimately, it wasn't really a resolution, and I don't even remember. It's been so long, but I, I do know that we did upgrade to where they had fixed the uh, OSPF checksum issue, and then we had disabled basically ECMP and just increased the cost on you know one of the redundant cores. That way, you know, we would just bypass all of those issues and not have to deal with it. And then if we were in a failover scenario we would just go in and clear sessions if we had to. And then that's actually a really fantastic troubleshooting, troubleshooting technique. Something you think about is if you're running into issues that you can't solve is to take out all redundancy, right? So, so remove redundant routers, remove redundant protocols, remove anything that's stateful failover and then work your way back up. If you don't know what's causing the problem, um, you can start removing the redundancy. I know that's true in routing protocols. I know that's true in a lot of layer two stuff. And I know that's true in firewalls as well. Um, yeah. so, you know, just when <laughs> complete tangent here, but in troubleshooting, like that's the way you start, start by getting rid of all that stuff and then work your way back up because sometimes it's hard to tell, like you knew that it was an ECMP, ECMP bug, but did you know that right away? Probably not. Right. No, no. Like you're dealing with the fact that I have no idea, but all of a sudden traffic is no longer 
we have traffic that's dropping and then you go to check your logs you can't even see why it's dropping and you don't know it's because of ecmp mm-hmm. then all of a sudden ospf goes out and the traffic starts working <laughs> and like <laughs> that's when you know like you throw your laptop on the ground and say i quit because like why does ospf stopping make this work you know and then you start piecing it together yeah it's definitely man that's a that's quite a doozy <laughs> <laughs> very cool very good very good yeah very and good. and the fact that you know the i think you said the the web traffic was failing uh or was getting dropped uh but with no logs and that's like and then and then the ospf uh checksums were wrong so i'm curious did those have logs or or how are you guys evaluating what was working and what actually wasn't the checksums i think we did have some pretty detailed logs from the the cisco cores on the other side i think they did give us a pretty good log about why we may have had to turn a debug on to actually see the adjacency stop but uh yeah they actually did give us pretty good logs on that side but it was not on the firewall side <laughs> we had the good logs no indeed <laughs> <laughs> wow wow that's okay. that's incredible so i want to take a moment to tell you more about today's sponsors and first up is blue cat networks If networks are your thing, and I imagine they are if you're listening to the Network Collective podcast, you should definitely consider joining the hundreds of network infrastructure and DNS experts in the Network VIP community. It's a community of IT practitioners driven by shared passions and frustrations about managing critical DNS, DHCP, and IP address management challenges, which there have certainly been no shortage of this year. Now, you'll get membership to a Slack community of peers that share candid insights and advice, as well as exclusive access to a series of monthly interactive Zoom roundtables. For example, coming up here soon on December 8th, they're digging into the topic of why the cloud and the data center just can't get along. And this panel is actually going to have some folks from the network collective community as well. Uh, So you can join this network VIP community and register for the next roundtable by going to bluecatnetworks.com slash certainty. Again, that's bluecatnetworks.com slash certainty. Also sponsoring today's episode is Unimus. Unimus believes that networkers should not need to turn themselves into developers to realize the power and value of automation. The Unimus platform is made specifically to be easy and fast to use and to remove the barriers of entry into network infrastructure automation. Unimus allows you to utilize your existing network configuration skills, but allows you to do so so those skills easily apply to portions or the entirety of your network all in one shot. I've had the chance to use Unimus, and it really does deliver on these promises. It's not Ansible or infrastructure as code as you may understand it to be today, but it's not trying to be. This is a tool that takes the skills you have today and amplifies them to make you more effective in your day-to-day job. Now, Unimus runs on-premises. It's multi-tenant ready. It supports more than 150 different network device types across more than 90 networking vendors. And you can get a free, no-obligation, unlimited license trial. Or you can schedule a short technical demo by visiting unimus.net slash nc. Again, that is unimus.net slash nc. Okay, uh, I'm ready to shift gears because if I don't, I'm afraid I'm going to throw something through my monitor. <laughs> I, so, Amy, no pressure to you, but um, but uh, you know, <laughs> tell us your tell us your war story that doesn't you know raise all of our blood pressure, or you know, just keep going down the path so that by the end we're all ready to like. Jordan, I don't know about up. you. I, I took my blood pressure meds before this, so I, I'm good. You know, Amy, like, r- ratchet it up. Let's go. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna make you laugh because mine actually does involve bugs, but um. 
physical bugs, actually. So um, when we were talking, Jordan was asking me to be on the show, he was talking about war stories, memorable stories. This is, this is my most memorable network deployment um, was to, it was just a simple switch. Like it shouldn't have been memorable. Go in, change out a switch, test some stuff, leave, right? And so I get there and it's a concession stand site. And apparently it's a hotel for bugs. Um, and if y'all, some of y'all know me well, some of y'all don't, roaches are my top fear in life. Like there, I have lots of fears to choose from, but it's at the top of the list. So I'm standing there and there are like guard roaches outside the building. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I roaches. <laughs> that's what I called them. They're like little sentries just, just sitting there waiting. So, so facilities comes by and they're like, no, no, we have fumigated. These are just, you know, they're just, they're not, they're not inside. You just go inside. So it's been like 20 minutes. I'm trying to get up the courage to go in this building, right? And I'm like, okay. And I'm waiting. I'm kind of stalling on the clock, waiting for my coworker. Cause I'm like, maybe he'll get here and just go in, take care of this for me. Like, but it's not happening. So I go in, I'm just looking straight ahead. Like, don't look left, don't look right. Go right to the switches, set up my laptop, set up console cable, plug this thing in, right? And it doesn't even get through the bootloader. And this roach runs across my foot and he has friends and they're going across my feet. <laughs> <laughs> and I have short legs, right? But I am running fast. Like it is a flash. I am gone. Laptop, console, and switch are all still inside. All still inside. Yeah. And, and so my coworker finally he's, he gets there and he's like, and I'm I'm like, I'm going. He's like, what's wrong? I'm like, I'm I'm out of here. I'm just gone. He's like, Do you want me to get your laptop? I'm like, I don't care. The roaches can have it. They've got this handled. It's fine. <laughs> Wow. So I am. Um, I, I a few years later, we had to do a replacement of the bridge link for that building, and I had someone else working for me, and I I made them go in. So like, I did not go oh, in. so you're that kind of manager? I was that kind of manager. I was like, you know what? I'll get this aligned once you can get it on the network. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that is my most memorable. So environmental. That's an interesting angle, right? Like, I can think of some places that were like really awful to work in. Never roaches. Oh. Thankfully, because I think that trumps anything that I've had to work in. I dealt with spiders, dead mice. I worked in public sector, so yeah, some of the networking closets are less than, you know, less than clean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can think of a couple of like really nasty, not nasty places, but like really, well, one, the really uncomfortable place to work. Um, there was there was one place that was a school. Um the school building and they had taken the janitor closet and just had reapportioned some of the space in the janitor closet. I know it's a super common story, <laughs> but that janitor closet was already pretty full. So what they did is they put like one of those, like, you know, six or eight, you wall mounted racks above the door. Oh. So, so all the cables hanging down would catch on the door as you opened and closed it. And, uh, and, and the, this happened to be the place, this was on the second floor and there was a, um, a steel ladder that went to the roof in there. And so to work on the gear, you had to climb up and hold on to this steel ladder. That was like the most uncomfortable thing. If you had any work that like required wiring or anything like that, you had to do it one handed. Um, and you had to like, you know, like it was, it was precarious. And then like, you know, you had like the, the rebar marks in your arm because that's, you were holding on, you know, wrapped around this piece of rebar, you know, standing on. It was a, it was a, it was a very unpleasant place to work. My, my more interesting place to work, and it was more just the, because of what had happened, is we, uh, same company, um, had a residential facility for kids, and, um, and, that, and that residential facility actually um, burned down. So it didn't burn down. It was a, a concrete block facility 
Um, so there was a big fire and the fire went all through, including our, <clears throat> including our wiring room. And, you know, the whole roof was gone, but all the walls were still there because it was all cinder block. They're not going anywhere. Like it was all the structure for the most part was still there. And what I learned that day, I didn't know this is that this was on a, uh, on a campus. Um, and, and the campus uh, is probably like 30 some odd buildings. And all of our fiber came in from the main road into this building because this building was the first building on the campus and transited through the roof to the other side and then to the rest of the campus. So I got the call at like two o'clock in the morning when this thing burned down because the entire campus was offline. I'm, I'm there by three thirty, four o'clock in the morning, like as the thing is still smoldering and I can't get in, I'm like, what am I supposed to do? And I'm talking with our, our provider who had run the fiber that way and ended up that like that afternoon, I was sitting in this bolt in this building that was still smoking. Um, <laughs> fusion splicing fiber with our provider <laughs> in this to bring to bring our connectivity back up for our campus because there were thousands of people who couldn't work and like that will be forever etched in my brain as i as i'm like like i, I could i could draw the picture for you of this room that is a mix of charred roof and the water that they spray out of whatever. And it was just like this musky, smoky, awful, like whatever the firefighters are still, they're not fighting at this point, but they're clearing stuff out. Like, and I'm like, this is like, this is not normal, right? Like this was fairly early in my career. Like I was probably like six or seven years in. So it wasn't like super seasoned at this point. And I'm just like, this can't be normal. Like splicing fiber in the middle of a burned out building. Cause that's the way it was, but sure enough. Yeah. Two things come to mind. One, there's going to be a commercial about you in like 20 years. Like, have you or a loved one spliced fiber in a burning building? <laughs> oh, don't say that. There's <laughs> commercials for awful medical conditions. <laughs> there's yeah. that. And then the second thing is, you were basically the real life version of the XKCD sysadmin, where it's like, it's like, oh no, we're dealing with a sysadmin. <laughs> oh. Somewhat, yes, yes. I, I know which one you're talking about. That's yeah, exactly I mean, what came like, to mind. Yeah, but we had to get it back up. And so, like, yep. we now the best part about it was is that there was just enough service loop in that in that fiber to get that done, but it was like left it dangling through the ceiling. But of course, they still had to do a bunch of demo. So, yeah. like, it, like the amount of wrapping we did in like bright red, bright yellow tape. Do not cut. Do not cut live. Whatever, whatever. And guess what happened. I it still got caught in the demo. I found that the more warning tape you put up, the bigger of an attractor it is to people who are going to tear things out. They're like, oh, let me tear that down. It says not I'm supposed to. to cut this at every marker, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, yeah. So, that I've was got a about that later. Like, how would it cut? That was quite the experience. Um, so, so, Amy, you have a couple more here. I, I love your titles here. So, you have your one that's the most memorable. And then you also said memorable, also involving physical torment. So, yeah, I mean, like, I've got to, I've got to hear this one just because of the heading. I, I heard, I heard. I was gonna say, I, I heard Rotten Tomatoes gave that uh, a seventy-two percent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, two thumbs down. Would not watch again. <laughs> so I'm in public sector, right? So we end up with some very interesting work sites, and um, we're doing a, a point to multi-point link, and it is at a way station. For those of y'all not in public sector. That is the poop factory. <laughs> and so we're outside one of the poop factories where they collect and clean the poop or collect, just collect it. I don't know. Anyways, it smells as delightful as you would think. And it's also across the street from landfill. 
Um, which is oh, nice. an extra bonus. Yeah. Well, at least they consolidated those areas. So if you aren't in those areas, you're not experiencing it. Exactly. The problem so, is if you are in those areas, you're getting double whammy. <laughs> and it's point. in Texas and it's like July or August. So it oh. is 11 billion degrees. It is the temperature of the sun and uh, we no shade and it smells like poop. And trash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's bad. And so we're, uh, you know, I'm not climbing the tower, um, but someone is. And they're putting up this link. And of course, it's not working. It's not aligning properly. Um, moving it all sorts of left and right. It's just I mean, like, you need to get pinpoint accuracy in the midst of all of that. <laughs> while you're trying not to throw up. I mean, the fact that they accomplished it at all is amazing. It was um, it was pretty much. Yeah, I would have to go and sit in my car for a few minutes, turn on the air <laughs> <laughs> as much as there was clean air. Um, and just, yeah, and then go back out and. It was intense. So, um, yes, we're talking about memorable. Those that that is uh, pretty unforgettable. That smell once you've smelled it um, doesn't go away. Yeah. Now, no. it's a good thing that this is just audio. <laughs> <laughs> smell vision would be a bad idea, right here. Yes, absolutely. Right. I, yeah. I was even thinking that maybe at the top of the tower, you know, you're getting a little bit of crosswind or something. You can get out of the stank. <laughs> maybe just if it's <laughs> that hot it just rises it everything rises. goes up yeah yeah it, it was um it was intense i've actually done a site survey of a, another one of the um wastewater plants and that was that was uh that was intense so it was a good thing that i had not eaten because then um, that would have been quite the display <laughs> <laughs> word that's that's something you know it, but, yeah. this is, but this is something that actually uh, i think might be emerging as a theme here on our discussion today and at least all of Chris's stories that he lined up that we may or may not have time to, to dive into, but there's a lot of places that you don't often think about that need networking and are connected. And, uh, you know, and it's someone's job to do it, you know, whether it's uh, an outhouse in the middle of the Yukon with a satellite phone, you know, Chris, or if it's a, um, a poop plant, as uh, Amy put it. <laughs> or both. I mean, we have poop plants out there in the middle of the Yukon too, so... <laughs> So, yeah. so, so, Amy, you have one more on here. Uh, definitely, I think I want to cover this one with a title. Just, just to be clear, <laughs> memorable, but not actually involving any physical torment. <laughs> not, not actually physical torment, at least from a smell perspective. <laughs> That's good. So, so uh, this is years ago. We were doing a an EIGRP at OSPF cutover, and the last step was uh, largely ceremonial. We'd already done thirty sites cutover. Um, we were just on a, you know, after hours removing the, uh, the neighbor relationships between a couple of course switches, uh, you know, everybody knew about everybody else. All the routes were great. Metrics were great. Going well. We're like, this is going to be nothing. And we're going to be, we're going to be out of here. Right? You've been, you're like, you know, 98% into this <laughs> cut. Like, you know what you're doing by this point. Yeah. Right. Right. It's, 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 a, it's a nothing thing. Right. Um, and so we remove the last relationship and we lose a site random it's it's not a fortunately not a not a serious major site they're they're closed but they're but they're gone they just drop off and we're like wait no we that shouldn't be gone why is it gone like they were there a minute ago what happened was this the site you were working on or was it a different Uh, entirely so yeah it wasn't at the core site um so you know we're looking at show commands nothing we're like it's just gone so right as responsible engineers Mm-hmm. You're looking at everything you've done. I right. just made a change. Yeah. 
yeah so like what did i do how did i break this what's going on give me some info yeah i get it exactly we're like how is this possible there's just there's no reason for this checking all this stuff right um so finally we're like you know what's gonna go over there it's not that far go over there turns out they're doing painting inside the building and they've turned off the power so <laughs> the UPS has been powering the switch for all morning and it happened to run out of juice 30 seconds after we did that last cut. I'm not even kidding. 30 seconds. And the site was gone awesome. right after. It's time for a timer to, to die yeah. out and appear to go down. And yeah, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. I, I don't know how the timing worked out just so perfectly, but yeah, so it wasn't anything that we had done. It was just that they had been on battery power for, for hours and hadn't told anybody about it. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, that's an amazing feeling to know that it wasn't you after stressing about the fact that you think it was you and you're sitting there trying to figure out and then you can't figure out why. Right. And then you go, well, this makes sense. If you turn the switch off, it doesn't work. Exactly. <laughs> Neighbor does go down. Yeah, it, it's power is a requirement. <laughs> One of those things. Implementation oh. details. Right. All right. Well, I, mean, I, I will say those did not get my blood pressure up like Chris's did. For sure. But uh, but I, I'm I didn't have to live through <laughs> the physical torment story. I imagine if I had, it's not blood pressure, it would just be I would be well, I mean, your first two stories. I'm the same way, like I'm not creeped out by bugs, but roaches, yeah, like roaches are no good. And so I would be the same way. It's just like nope, yep. nope, someone else can take care of this, or you can take care of like I mean, to me, like that's when I go talk to my employer and be like, listen, yeah, we can fix this. But the right. first step to fixing this is fixing your bug problem. <laughs> then we can work on the technology one thing at a time. Yeah, the network has bugs. No, literally, the network has bugs. <laughs> Can't blame the vendor for those. No, no, that's not the vendor. Right. Yeah. No. So, uh, so, so, Tony, Tony, my friend, um, I see, I see some very broad brushstroke bullet list items on yours here and it starts with 30 hours of hell i feel like most of us probably have a story like this mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. i want to hear about your 30 hours of hell well uh i i will say that most of my most memorable nightmarish experiences of doing cutovers for me does not always is not always a technical problem it's not always a bug it's not always a, a device uh, a cable. Um, a lot of times, I find the struggle is people. Uh, like, and, I, and I'm just going to jump ahead right here, Jordan, uh, to these three right here. But these are three very common things that I hear when we're getting ready to start a cutover. We open up a bridge line, everyone calls in, and what's the first thing the remote site says to me? So, um, what are we doing? Like, you didn't get the announcement we were doing a freaking cutover, you know? Yeah, it's nine o'clock at night. I, I sent you, you know, correspondence via email and, and they just read email. Uh, it's but, amazing. Uh, I, I was just, I had this on my calendar. Uh, it says like cut over. Do you guys need something like, oh my God. Are you kidding yeah. me? You know what I mean? It happens all the time. I've been there. I know exactly what you're time. talking about. So it's people issues, right? The cutover would go successfully, but it's come on, get ready. Get your people together. Is there a network engineer that can log into that remote switch? Oh, that's Tom. Yeah, he went home at five o'clock. Man, it's nine o'clock. We can't get him. You know, he's at his kids' soccer practice. Like he's in the Bermuda Triangle. Now. It, it was in the email. I need someone who can log into the firewall, someone that locked into the switch. Here's the show commands I need. I need those sent. You know, it's people problems. I always find the people problems. Also, when you're sending equipment to remote sites, 
you always include um, cables, SFP, stuff like that. You know, you're sending people a kit, a little installation kit, some, some set of instructions for remote hands. Sometimes you're on the phone walking them through it. And uh, I don't know if you guys have ever happened to you, but SFPs sometimes grow legs and they go walking somewhere. And all of a sudden I say like, okay, it's time to go ahead. You got that thing racked? Okay. Um, uh, there should be five SFPs in the box. No, there's no SFPs in this box. Like, no, they're there. I got the receipt of the guy who packed it with the serial numbers of the SFPs that are in the box right here. Uh, they were sent to you and here's the tracking information. No, no, no SFPs here. You just, you know, they're, they're gone, right? They're in their data center somewhere else. Okay. All right, fine. So what I, I always say, you got SFPs somewhere? You there are never SFPs when you need them. So wait a minute. These people thought the SFP fairy just sent them SFPs? Because in all of my years of working, it's never worked that way. It's always the opposite. I don't have the SFPs that I need. I've never once had a mystery box show up with SFPs in it that I could use somewhere else. Not one time has that happened. Yeah, so, so that's, the, that's the point here is never the correct SFP when you need them because I sent the correct ones and they've repurposed them somewhere else in their network. What they have left, uh, are, they got some long range, some short range, some multi-mode, um, some GBIC, you know, <laughs> a whole range of stuff that or maybe isn't compatible. Um, it's, uh, it's a nightmare. It, you guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Sorry, we only have SFPs branded for Bay switches. No, that's all we have <laughs> GBIC, that's making me laugh. <laughs> Taking me back. So, uh, I know you've been doing this for a while when GBIX and SFP are somewhat interchangeable in your vocabulary because you were so used to GBIC that SFP was a hard transition. And now it's, you know, every other variety of SFP, QSFP and, you know, whatever else. So, so, so the other one I'm going to share with you, the other one is a, is a short story. This is a, another human interest piece. Um, this is the, um, the, uh, overconfident, undercompetent engineer. On the other side, uh, I'm into this migration project. Um, this is many years ago, and we've done a bunch of sites. We probably we we have a hundred sites to do. I've probably done twenty five at this point, right? We're, we got a pretty smooth operation, and and we know what to tell the remote side to make this work. So I'm basically, although I don't have a script written, I'm just reading it off in my mind. Okay, do this. Okay, the next thing, and we're not even talking about commands at this point. We're talking about, I need the guy to get ready to the point, to ready us, he's our remote hands, to the point where we can move cables from the old router to the new router. Okay, the new router's been shipped, racked, stacked, cabled, powered on. I've been able to remotely access it through a little cable back door. We're gonna move our primary connection over, then we're gonna disconnect the back door, okay? So uh, we get to that point and I tell the guy, um, okay, we're all ready on our end. Uh, go ahead and unplug uh, from the service provider uh, uh, one and plug into the to the new router. And I, I forget exactly what we were saying at the time. And he's like, okay, I'm on a phone call with him. He says, uh, okay, that's done. Yeah, yeah, I already did that. What do you mean you already did that? Yeah, 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 I did that already. But I didn't tell you to do it yet. You know, so this guy's jumping ahead a little bit. He's the kind of, this is the kind of engineer I have to work with. I said, okay, well, well, you're still offline. I can't ping you. I don't have BGP adjacencies aren't coming up. Uh, your loopback isn't reachable. That should be statically reachable. It's not up. So go ahead and plug the cable back in, back in originally, and uh, we'll see. It plugs it back in. I can reach the old router. 
Old router is good. Okay, so he unplugs it. I see him go offline. I should see a little bit of an outage. He should plug it into the new one. And then uh, I have a constant ping running. I should be able to ping his loop back. And then shortly following, BGP should give me an adjacency. Clearly, you've misconfigured the new, the new firewall or router. Clearly. It, clearly, that's what happened here. And so, you know, we wait, you know, we wait a minute. We're like, uh, you know what, this is a planned outage, you know, so we, we have our maintenance window and we wait, wait a minute, another minute. Okay, uh, it's not working. We go through this. Okay, I just want to make sure, you know, because then he's got the fiber. So I say, go ahead and roll them. You know, maybe, maybe we got the transmit and receive back mixed up. Go ahead and roll them. Try it again. Nope, that wasn't it. Okay, we're waiting another minute. All right, roll them back. Put it in the, put it back in the old router. Old router comes right back up. Okay, what is going on here? Okay, so now we're in the old router. Let me backdoor into our equipment, verify all our configs. Again, we're at this like the 25, 26, maybe 30th site. Everything's working properly. So finally, I have the guy plug it in to where it doesn't work. Okay, are you ready? Unplug it, plug it into the new stack. Okay, and then I want you to step back and take a picture and send it to me. Okay, and then if you could, could you actually go up and take a picture of the interface on the new router uh, that you're plugging into? And so he sends me this uh, via text message, a whole stream of pictures, and he's walking me through it on the phone. All right, well, the first picture is the whole rack. Uh, the second picture is the device I plugged it into, and then you wanted me to connect it to the, to the other router. That's the other picture. I said, wait a second. The old router is on the bottom. You got one side of the fiber plugged in there. And then the new router's up top, and you have the other side of the fiber plugged into there. Uh-huh, that's right. That's what you told me to do. I said, well, what's plugged into the service provider? He said, nothing. You told me to connect the old router and the new router. So he just created the ultimate loopback, keeping his site offline. He connected his old router to the new router I shipped him while he's offline. And uh, this guy's resume reads like he has networked and secured the global network. <laughs> and I can't get this guy to plug in a router. Oof. So uh, I call that one the ultimate loopback. He gave his own network the ultimate loopback while he just sits back and he swears it's our problem. Okay, we finally sort this out. Wait a second, guy. You got this all wrong. Disconnect this one, plug it into the service provider. Boom, pings work. Boom, BGP's up. Boom, his, all his networks can get out. Just like it was designed to happen. So um, again, not a technical problem, but no, it was a people problem. problem. Okay, problem. this yeah. is the guy that next, <laughs> the next day calls me and my leadership and says that the changes we made yesterday broke DHCP on his access subnets. And we're on the service provider side. Right. <laughs> so we're like, that's, that's I don't my, think that's you, my favorite. I'm yeah, not like, sure you understand how, you know, they're like, Tony, you got to talk to this guy. I'm like, I, 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 I'm not talking to this guy again. I'm not doing it. Don't make me do it. But, uh, but you yeah, I mean, you own it. yeah, we've done a lot of cutovers. I, I really love doing cutovers, guys, because, uh, you know, this, this story is about war stories. Uh, and, you know, the deepest scars hold the most memories. And it's through making these mistakes that you learn how to be a better engineer, you know, and I learn how to communicate with people better. <laughs> and how not to right. plug a router into itself. No, I mean, that's a, that's a huge thing. So as you're going through, it's like, you know, like, uh, you know, clearly you would know if you weren't communicating right, if this was a common trend. So I do, I do believe, you know, that, you know, <clears throat> this was likely a misunderstanding on the remote end. 
<clears throat> of something that was a fairly clear instruction. But I do think we get stuck in the weeds a lot as networkers, because I, I think that what we do is we understand it completely. And anytime you understand it completely, uh, you make a lot of assumptions when you write about it. Uh, so there's oftentimes that our parts or pieces are missed. And then if you step back and try to view what we write, either as documentation or as, you know, change steps or as whatever, and you try to look at that through the eyes of someone who has absolutely no idea what they're getting into and you start realizing, oh, wait, like some of this is on me, right? Like, I mean, this is if, if no one else on this call agrees with this, that's fine. I'm talking about myself and I'm OK with that. But the idea being that uh, communication is one of those skills um, that is that is learned over time and is highly dependent on perspective. And the better of an engineer you are or the more familiar you are with an environment, the more intentional you have to be about the way you communicate changes and things about the network. Because we make huge assumptions of other people's knowledge because it's common sense to us. And so I'm not, I'm not pointing the finger at you, Tony, I promise. <laughs> not, not in this one because I know this project, I know this project, you've been working on it, you know, while we've been doing uh, network collective. And I know you had a hundred plus sites for this. For this particular no, 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 project. no. Well, well, let me be fully transparent. This story I just shared with you is from the same customer old project. Old project. Okay. So, so same so idea. Yeah. Same hundred sites I've been through. That's why I keep going back to this customer. Cause like, I know the network, you know, sure enough. Right. And, and, and you, you know, like you do 95 sites and they're all successful. It's not a communication problem. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it is, uh, I think it's one of those things as engineers, we can all, we can all be better at. It well, I is think as we get, I think I'm as sorry. we get years of experience, um, there's things, assumptions that we make, but, uh, there's always the unexpected, right? And the years of experience are where you start to get some of the expected unexpected, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, where you start to realize that, that, that this is, we, we haven't seen this problem before, but we know that this is where the trouble is going to come from type of thing. Yeah. Um, that's intuition. Um, I've, I've, I've talked about this book before, um, and it, it is a hugely, I think, important book just in general. I'm going to bring it up again. It's called Thinking Fast, Thinking Slow. It's written by Daniel Kahneman. It, it's about how we think. And, and it, it's one of those things that intuition is, is the combination of our, the way our brain thinks fast and uh, our experience combined with that. So essentially we train our brain. So we, we wow. have like two, two courses of thought. Um, there's the intuitive thought, which is the reactionary. This is the fight or flight. Wow. If I'm in trouble, what am I supposed to do? You make that instantaneous. There's no consideration. It is just let me analyze the situation in nanoseconds and make a decision. It's actually one of the things that sets us apart as humans from other animals and, and other things is that fast, intuitive thought. And it is really quite accurate. Um, but that's where cognitive bias comes from. It comes from intuition that's incorrect. Like you, you have intuition about things, but you don't have the experience to back it up. You can easily get yourself stuck into a corner. What trains you away from cognitive bias or what, Amy, what you just brought up, that idea of known unknowns is experience. And that experience, the more that you do things, the more that you recognize where the, tr the trouble areas are. You recognize that like this happens. You recognize them before, but even more importantly, you recognize them during. I mean, I'm sure I could say this and there's going to be a lot of engineers who goes, yeah, I've had that experience. And that is that feeling of something happens and it's like, that is technology X. That's MTU. 
how do I know that's MTU? I know that's MTU because this smells like MTU, this tastes like MTU, this feels like MTU. I don't have any evidence yet, but the way this is behaving, this is like MTU, right? Like this is, I've, I've seen this problem before. I've seen the evidence of this problem before and these things line up. And then intuition is a great tool in the hands of an experienced engineer. It's also a great tool to get yourself in trouble. <laughs> Right. If you if you stick with that intuition and let that be there in it turns out not to be it. Uh, you know, one of the one of the um, cognitive biases that is one of the hardest to overcome is confirmation bias. Once you already think you know what it is, it's hard to find evidence that's contrary to your opinion. And so like that, that becomes a very hard obstacle to come over if you don't treat it intentionally. But you don't have as much confirmation bias or the risk of confirmation bias if your intuition is accurate. <laughs> Right. And so uh, that book is, has been uh, so influential on me in, in the way that I do computer networking, which I never expected. I just read it as one of those books that was generally I thought was going to be helpful. But when it comes to troubleshooting, I saw myself in so many of the cognitive biases or even in conversations and the way we communicate with people and, 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 and the way things go down. So I recommend that book to anybody. Like if you've got if you're looking for a book, period, that will make a difference in the way that you view the world. That's a great book too. Uh, yeah, to I read. just added I just added it to my list, and uh, and you and I are going to have a little follow up discussion about that. You want to <laughs> want to say the name of that one for the for those of us in the back? So thinking fast, thinking slow. Uh, Daniel Kahneman. He's a he's a um, he won the Nobel Prize for economics, but he did a lot of study around psychology, specifically around economics. Um, he cool. talks a lot about a lot about cognitive bias, um, but specifically framed around the two forms of thinking. So it's a uh, it's good. I don't know that it's, you know, a hundred percent, you know, <laughs> the be all and end all of science on this, but it made a lot of sense to me. Um, so that's there. So I was just thinking as a, as a piece of advice to, uh, to turn that into this episode of war stories into a learning mechanism. Um, I, for one, am always, whenever I run into an issue during a migration, a changeover, an integration, something like that, I'm always the first one to go back and double check my configs, right? I go and check my configs and make sure my configs are right. And if everything looks right, I'm really often, I'm at the point where like I pause and I start scratching my head, right? And I'm going through the, the troubleshooting mechanisms that I've built in throughout my career of, of, okay, well, this works, so it can't be this and this works. But I just want to say, I'll, there's a couple of things that I always think of last that are the last things that I consider being the problem. And this is what I hope that the, the, the takeaway is, the learning moment is, um, very rarely do I ever think that there's actually a bug in the software, right? I always blame myself or I blame someone else's configs, right? I always assume that the device is doing exactly what it was configured to do. So I always assume that, uh, I always think that a bug is least, uh, is least the cause of, of, of my headaches. Right. It's, it's the, la the last place you go. You it's only the go there place. everything has been and solid. That and, your, your config is good, that your implementation is good. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And you know what? More often than not, I have found that if you actually make reading uh, the bug fixes and the release notes of whatever firmware you're using, whether it's a firewall, a router, a proxy, or whatever, you might find the issue that you're seeing in those notes. And very rarely... Do I actually am proactive enough to read those ahead of time prior to a migration? I'm always sort of always focused on the configs, testing, uh, making sure everything's ready to go. 
and and always those bugs I, I i just i always consider them last and and one other thing that i consider last also is a a hardware malfunction um a cable I, there's been a couple of times in my life where I have spent hours looking at configs and testing pings and doing packet captures and and devoting tons of time to troubleshooting um, at a layer that I can touch from my end because I'm not in front of the box. When really, ultimately, the fix was someone in front of the box needs to replace the cable. There was a bad cable. Um, and, and boxes, uh, appliances for most vendors don't have a very good way of telling that to the operator, that there's a cabling problem. Um, so, so it's one of those things that's kind of like very hard to interpret sometimes that so you really have to get into the data, but, but hardware issues, I rarely consider and bug issues. I'm always checking my configs and, and that's, you know, and that's why I don't have a lot of, of technical issues to discuss real nightmares, you know, because a if I'm putting a config on a box, I've tested it three times somewhere else. Like I'm very confident in what I have built is going to work. Often my stories are around the situation of the migration or the people involved and stuff like that. But the few things that have really got me and wasted a lot of my time have been actual bugs or hardware problems. Um, and, and so my, my lessons learned are, you know, make that part of your preparation process. Definitely. And, and that's what I've learned from it. Can I, so I actually have something to say about that because um, in my experience um, from doing voice so much and from doing so many um, different deployments at different sites, actually the two biggest things that I look for are bugs and cables, actually. Um, those have been, I have run into them so many times that they top my list. Those are two of the first wow. things is, is reading the, the release notes, looking at those bugs um, and, and the cable. So I just think that's interesting. It's just a different, the different types of deployments we've done. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, wow, I was not expecting that, but yeah, it's the completely the opposite. I'm, I'm taken back by that right now. <laughs> I can't believe it. Someone had the opposite uh, problems as me, but, but yeah, I think it's probably because I'm working on the stuff um, that's, that's in the data center out of my touch and I'm the remote hands. But obviously I think if you're touching phones, you're touching the phone, right? You, you are, you are the end end user at that moment. And, and so you are touching the hardware. That makes sense. Makes perfect sense. Well, and I still did a lot of um, rack and stack and install config, you know, soup to nuts um, on yeah. a deployments being small shop, right? Um, or not a lot of people, you, you end up doing that. But with voice, it's a lot of bugs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a lot wow. Of bugs. wow. So, um, so it's, it's just been over the years. Yeah, but, but in, in wireless and in security as well, I've seen that. But it's, it's, um, some of the things that I look at for almost initially is this feels like a bug or this looks like a bug or um, the cable. Been burned by cables a lot. Always have the one trusty cable. I had one cable. It was purple. And so I could find it anytime. And it was the one known good cable. <laughs> and you plug that in. <laughs> so so if it works when you plug the purple one in and yeah. it does it when you use the blue one, bad cable. And right. heaven forbid when that purple one fails, finally. <laughs> it's like, I'm retiring. I'm done. I can't do this. So um, we're running a little bit long, but Chris, there's a story in here. I mean, you've got a, a list a mile long, so I think we're going to have to do. So this is our third, by the way, for Network Collective. Our very first show was a horror story show. That's how we started. It was like, let's get on and embarrass ourselves telling about all the things. In fact, that's the reason why I didn't bring a story is because this is our third and my best stories are already exhausted. <laughs> I'm already used to 
to them on other shows. So if you want to hear embarrassing things about me or some of my interesting experiences, the first one is fantastic. It has to do with a network outage that happened when my wife's water broke. Um, so that's, uh, so we'll go all the way back to the first episode and that's quite, uh, quite a doozy. Um, my second one, I believe is my CCIE story. It's not a necessarily a network outage story, but, uh, it is, uh, it is one that every time I tell it, the people on the other end just kind of like look at me sympathetically and say, I can't believe you went through that. Um, so, um, so that's, uh, if you want to find my stories, they're there, but Chris, there's one here that I think that we just need to cover quickly because we're, we're running long. Mm -hmm. Um, there's something about a tower and snowstorms. And so, so talk to me about this. Like <laughs> what yeah. is this all about? So this was my first time, uh, at this time I worked at a wireless internet service provider that did lots of things, but one of them was wisp. And, uh, one of the towers I hadn't been to yet. I was brand new and, uh, we had an issue. The first snow had happened. This tower is at 2,800 feet above sea level in Alaska on a mountaintop um and it's you know got a couple customers hanging off of it one of our really big ones and one other customer and all of our towers were helicopter access only like charter helicopter so you know we chartered a helicopter flew up there it was the first snow of the year it snowed about six feet on top of this mountain and um <laughs> and this was one of my first times even like flying a helicopter and the pilot as you would imagine a, you know, Alaskan charter helicopter pilot is, he was very, you know, kind of, kind of like a grizzled pilot, you know, drinking whiskey and whiskey there. just about, but also yeah. like really funny and like love joking about dark things, you know, <laughs> kind, kind of person like he's like, I've seen it all. And then would joke about it. Um, and his name was Jag, right? Like <laughs> you can't. Yeah, exactly. Like the name should be for an Alaskan helicopter. Exactly. Yeah. exactly J G jag and uh so anyway so he's like well you ever jumped out into the snow before and i was like uh no he's like well the helicopter you know distributes its weight so we're not gonna sink in but when you get out make sure you like jump out onto your side or else you know you'll go you know deep down into the snow and it was the first <laughs> snow so there was no pack at all it was just powder and so i do not follow that advice and i jump out of the helicopter and just go all the way down to my neck, basically <laughs> in snow. And I have like a huge Pelican case. And then I have to go climb like 40 feet up a tower. That's just covered in rhymed up ice and, uh, fix this radio that had, that had broken. It was, it was great. So my locations that I've worked at for networking are tame. That's <laughs> what I've learned on this show. I've worked in a lot of tame locations and I've worked in some weird places I've got some good stories too, but they pale in comparison. I asked the right people on do, do networking on places, do networking in Alaska and you'll, you'll just, you know, we, weird... we have a higher than proportional representation of Alaskans in the network collective slack. It's true. Yeah. That it is, is strange. It's fantastic. But I have but learned, you know what so it is? Much. You know, it's weird it's because there's only two network engineers in Alaska. We have them both. <laughs> we know. <laughs> <laughs> funny enough i don't think i joined yeah. network collective slack until after i had moved away from alaska and i yeah, didn't I actually know sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah i didn't know any of the network engineers from alaska until <laughs> i met them on slack and i'm like here i am i've been living in the state for how long and i didn't know any of you guys 
<laughs> uh, but I've learned quite a bit uh, from some of our some of our friends who are from Alaska because the world is different up there. Mm -hmm. They don't have the same access to resources than we do, um, and they tend to be a lot more resourceful. Yes, and to be honest, a lot of them are a lot better networkers than I am, just because it's pretty fun. They've, had, they've had to do things that I've just never even had to consider. So uh, it is it is rather impressive. We you know, we did a show that was you know like remote. Networking, like networking in the sticks type idea. Um, we might have to revisit that again because we've got more than enough representation of that. And most of us live in and around metro areas. So it is interesting to hear how they, the rest of the world has to uh, has to navigate that. You got to make do. You got to sometimes the entire internet for an entire town's down and you got to, you just got to make it happen. So all four people in town. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like one of the things I have on this list is. Oh, Amy, it's a hundred percent. It's 100% outage. She, she carries more weight. <laughs> exactly. I'm thinking when the helicopter has to drop you off, that that's the those are the projects you want to make sure you didn't leave anything behind. Oh, oh you have to, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I yeah. forgot my cable. cable. No. Nope. I learned yeah, how like, to plan ahead from that job. Like you're, you're yelling back at the helicopter, do you have a three-foot patch cable? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, sorry, dude, good luck. That, that was the number one thing I learned from that job was how to make a packing list and how to make sure you, A, didn't leave anything there, and B, didn't forget anything before you went. That's well, pretty incredible. Speaking of disproportionate Alaskan representation in Slack, um, if you aren't yet, you should help support the show and come join us in the slack it's uh it's a great way to help us out right like so it's just a few bucks a month but it uh, helps the show stay going all of this costs money right and uh we're, we do it we don't make anything off of this like no one is uh no one is buying cars or homes or anything off of what we're doing here but uh there are real costs that come come with this and so uh any little bit helps and so one of the things that we give with uh, supporting the show is access to our Slack. And so we'd love to have you come be part of the conversation. There's lots of awesome networkers in there and it's, it's just a great place to hang out. Um, so, so come do that. If, if you have the, the few dollars to spare, if not, this will always be a free show, right? Like that's just the way that it is. So we're not looking to make a living off of it or anything like that. So if you join, uh, I will tell you the story of when Jag flew a helicopter over a tree that was our AP for a microwave shot so that we could line up a radio. So there you go. I will tell you the story. This is the stuff we talk about. Like, I mean, it sounds like this, like, ooh, we'll have this huge incentive. Like, no, that's Tuesday. Like, that's just what we talk about. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, so uh, beyond that, if you enjoyed this, uh, we've got a lot of episodes like it. Uh, you can find them all at networkcollective.com. Um, if you'd like to subscribe to have episodes delivered straight to your door, you can do that by all the regular places, you know, Apple, uh, iTunes, we're on Google play, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, pretty much anywhere where you find podcasts, you can go find us, just search for network collective. If you're looking for links, you can go to networkcollective.com, click on subscribe. They're all there for you as well. Uh, we try to make it easy. Uh, we're starting, we mentioned it earlier, we're starting a live stream at Network Collective. And our first official one, we did like a trial balloon one, which was just an absolute blast. It was just Tony it's and I. Zero plan. Yeah. Ended up live streaming for about two hours <laughs> because we had about 30 minutes of conversation that we could have just nailed ourselves, but it was so interactive and people were participating. And, you know, we've been working on a platform where we can bring that in and make it part of the show, make it part yeah. of what's going on. And so really comment cool. on YouTube and, and, and now comments on Twitch. We now have a Twitch, uh, because if we're going to live stream, I guess you have to be on Twitch. It's just the way that it works. Um, and in Twitter with the hashtag, like they all come to us and we can actually bring them on the show, put them up on the screen, talk about them. And we did that. 
Um, it was just an absolute blast. And so keep an eye out. We're going to be doing a lot of that as we go forward. Um, those are not going to be podcasts. They're not going to be part of the feed. If you want to find them, they're going to be on YouTube, right? So we're going to, we're going to be posting, we're not posting the whole episode. So you don't have to sit there and, and listen to two hours of Tony and I rambling on. We're pulling clips out of the, uh, of the best stuff, right? The, the topics that matter. And we hope that out of a, a one hour to God forbid, a three hour show or something like that, we can pull out like anywhere between two or five or six clips of, of relevant topics in really short iterations. So they're easy to consume for you. Uh, so if you're not yet, uh, we haven't used the YouTube uh, page heavily. We've had it for a long time. Uh, you definitely want to go subscribe to us on YouTube because we're going to start releasing a lot of content there and that's going to be uh, fun, easy to consume content, something you can do like over a lunch break. Uh, we love uh, we love engaging with you on social media. Speaking of which, I started this without asking our guests where people could find them. And that shouldn't I shouldn't have done that. So I'm going to stop for just a second. Chris, Chris, where can people find you online? Uh, well, you can find me on the Network Collective Slack. Oh, look at this. Chris yeah. is always good for plugging. <laughs> He's like, you want to come talk to me? <laughs> Pay up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But if you if you aren't there, or even if you are, you can find me at Cranky Net, Netman on Twitter. Is that what it is? At Cranky mm, Netman. Yeah, at yes. Cranky Netman. There we go. Yeah, very good. Amy, I don't think I need to ask you this. I think most people know where to find you, but where can people find you? Twitter, Amy Engineer, amyengineer.com, my blog that is a little neglected. We'll write again sometime. Sure, <laughs> absolutely. The internet, yes. Good deal. And Tony, I'm on uh, Twitter at uh, Show IP Interface Brief, and uh, it's and not can... really Show IP Interface Brief. It's the shorthand of that, and the way that you have shorthand. <laughs> if you're looking for Tony, you have to like you have to put in a little work. Yeah, <laughs> no. If you, if you go Twitter.com/slash/Show IP Interface Brief, that may be somebody, but it's not you. You're like S H I N T E. That's right. That's right. S H I P I N T. Uh-huh. Show. B-R-I. B-R-I. Yeah, I go B-R-I. And always a couple of old timers that want to talk about, you know, old B-R-I interfaces. Yep, that's my beef. They're like, oh, we had to put the E on the end or else it would show us the other interface. <laughs> that's my beef, well, Tony. Is that on my well, 2811? This is, this, is, this is 2020, okay? <laughs> and there aren't B-R-I interfaces, or there shouldn't be. <laughs> You so, say that, uh, but for our next brief in some sort of shorthand, you'll find them eventually. That's right. That's right. All right. And uh, you have a blog? Yeah, you can hit me at showipinterfacebrief.github.io. Uh, well, that sounded really confident. Oh, gosh, I don't know. <laughs> now, you, So you're going to have to really work for Tony's stuff. Just, just go find, No, just, just, just go, go, go get into the Net Collective Slack, find Chris, and then you'll find me, and then I'll send you wow. the correct link. Wow, the capitalism on this show is unheard of. <laughs> um, like the DNS of like Tony's <laughs> blogs, I guess. <laughs> so anyway, if you're looking for me, you probably know where I'm at. But just in case, I'm at BC Jordo on Twitter. Um, my my blog is now only interesting if you're into astrophotography. If I'm writing about networking, it is at um, is at networkcollective.com. Uh, if you want to find the podcast, we love chatting with everybody, right? So we talked about social being a component of what we wanted to do with the live stream. Um, go find us and follow us and chat with us there. So we're at Net Collective PC on Twitter. We're on LinkedIn. We're on Facebook. Just search for us for us at Network Collective. With that, I think that wraps it up. Amy, Chris, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Tony, thank it's always guys. awesome to yeah, be out with thank you. Thank you. 
Um, and I, for everyone listening, thanks for, thanks for listening and thanks for supporting the show. And we will see everybody next time.